0: I'm Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report podcast, and this is episode one of Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 Duke Blue Devils. April 2nd, 2021 marks exactly 20 years since Duke defeated Arizona to win the national title in men's basketball. The road to that championship was full of moments that are etched into the brain of any Duke fan. Four epic games against Maryland, including one with a truly legendary comeback an unlikely victory over North Carolina, only days after the team lost one of its best players. And of course, an NCAA tournament that featured the biggest comeback in Final Four history. Four players on that team would go on to extended NBA careers earning tens of millions of dollars. That doesn't even count the player who was the highest draft pick on the team, who had a promising career cut short by a terrible motorcycle accident. But the 2001 Blue Devils, were much more than just overwhelming basketball talent. It was their faith in each other and their collective commitment that allowed the team to become one of the legends of the sport. Over the past few months, I got the chance to sit down with every player on that team to talk about their run to the title. Over the next several weeks, I'll be bringing you their oral history of that season, highlighting some of the legendary games, but also letting you in on the -the behind-the-scenes dynamics and the previously unknown stories that made up that very special season. You're gonna hear about practical jokes, brutal practices, motivational leaders, and remarkable strategic choices by Coach K. You'll hear the players reflect on what they were doing during those legendary games. But on this first episode, we're gonna focus on getting to know that team and their mindset coming into the 2000-2001 season. And there's no one better to begin our story than the unquestioned leader of the team, senior co-captain Shane Battier.
1: Our story really starts the year before uh, with this, the uber-talented freshman class of Jay Will and, and Steve Booz and, and, and Dunleavy, Casey Sanders, Nick Horbath. We were so young that year. And we lost our first two games, which no one expected we were going to lose, lose. And we had to teach what those young guys what Duke basketball is all about.
0: Shane told me that the young guy who needed lessons the most was high school All-American point guard Jay Williams.
1: Duke is not for everybody. It's a tough place. And Jay Will had to take his lumps early his freshman year, the year before, after we lost two games. Um, I'll never forget, uh, we lost to, uh, to UConn. In uh, in the garden after our second game, and uh, he was in the shower like laughing and joking. Now, if, you, if you're going to do basketball, you know that any loss would treat it with with uh, with reverence, and you should act like your your dog died. Um, there's no smiles. All right, there's no one happy. There's no talk. I mean, a a, a bus ride to the airport after a Duke loss was was the the, the quietest, most silent place you've ever heard. And here's Jay will cracking jokes. Uh, Cause he didn't know any better. And that's when Nate James in the shower said, look, we're going to have a talk with you, um, after this. <laughs> after the shower. So he got dressed and they, and I addressed him and said, look, this is Duke. We don't do that. And, uh, you know, to Jay's credit, he, he took the criticism and I never saw that again. And and so you really saw his maturity really come out of sophomore year. And obviously his talent is, was, was out of this world. And, um, you know, the run that he had second half of the year in the tournament, uh, still very few players have ever had a run like, like, like he did.
0: My conversation with the other senior co-captain, Nate James, revealed the same kind of focus on leadership with experienced players passing their wisdom onto the youngsters.
2: You know, what makes a special team is, is is a series of, of moments and, and things that uh, you can kind of draw on. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I was i'm I'm about business you know I was older I was a fifth year you know senior so the moments to me that stuck out if, if there was a, a a young guy you know not showing up or, or thinking that we have arrived as a group or they've arrived as an individual and it it was in practice where said, like, look no you know whether it be jason whether it be you know a, a, a duhan you know a moment for me, it was um, in practice after a big game, you know, you know, Jason played well, uh, and, and the next day, you know, he wants to take it easy. Like, no, we need you to be great again. And it was some, it was some confrontations. And and then he realized, you're right. And, and that's the thing that separates great teams. It, it wasn't, you know, oh, you're picking on me, or you're jealous. It was, it's, it's always got you, you're right. Okay, snap out of it and move on.
0: You know, again and again, I heard from the 2001 team that their drive to win that season was born out of the frustrations of previous years. Senior walk-on Ryan Kaldbeck told me it started with the 1999 Duke team that was widely expected to win the title, but came up just short.
3: I think the 01 team learned from some of the mistakes that we believe we made in 99 particularly around coming together as a team, about having open communication with each other, um, you know, not kind of sweeping things under the rug, um, but trying to build trusting relationships where we shared our thoughts and feelings directly. In 99, uh, and I love those guys, like I still talk with almost everyone on the team, you know, periodically, not not on a regular basis, but like, uh, that team very much, I think, I would admit now, was fairly clicky. Um, you know, would kind of go off, we'd go to a restaurant and you'd have one table with this three, and it'd always be the same three. That One table with this four, always the same four, et cetera, et cetera. That led to, I think, some miscommunication. I think it led to, um, I think it made it harder to build relationships, build trust, and so that when there were problems, it was harder to address those problems. O1, I think particularly the seniors, obviously, learned from that pain. Um, and uh, we kind of tried to squash that out early on by you know, inviting everyone to events and having birthday parties together as a team. Well, I'm not trying to represent that everyone was best friends, but you, you tried to squash out the kind of clicks, for lack of a better word.
0: You know many of the key players on that 2001 team were just freshmen and sophomores who were not around for the 1999 disappointment. So sophomore big man Carlos Boozer told me he thought the drive to win came from losing in the Sweet 16 the year before when they played
4: Florida in 2000. As we we sign on to become Duke Blue Devils we know what the expect the expectation is championship or bust. There's no like oh we did good we made the tournament like we're coming into a, a situation our freshman year where they just went to the finals and they lost. They lost in the championship. Very good game. It's a great game to watch if you haven't seen it anyway. So we're me and Jay Will thought we were good enough to win the whole fucking thing. We lose. We get to the Sweet 16. We face a very talented Florida team, as you know. I don't mean to take up more of your time. This is all like, you know, old stuff for you. But for me and Jay Will, we thought we were going to win the fucking championship our freshman year. We lose. We fail. That's how it felt. We're in the locker room. We're distraught or bothered some guys are crying some guys are pissed you know some guys you know it's two hours after the game and they haven't taken their jersey off yet because it's the last time they'll ever wear that jersey like we had a lot going on it took chris carrowell two hours to take off his jersey like he knew he didn't know what his nba future looked like but what he did know was that he wasn't going to be able to to wear that duke uniform ever again and so you know, it stuck with us. Our leadership had changed. You know, Shane was stepping into a role where it's your team, bro. They're, you know, you're the, you're the lone – no, Nate James was, was a senior, but Shane was our best player, right? And Jay Will took a huge step from our freshman season to our sophomore season. He spent a lot of time up at Rutgers playing pickup with those guys in Jersey. He spent a lot of time down at Duke training like an animal every day. Dunleavy, you know, Dunleavy was a little different uh, because his dad was Mike Dunleavy Sr., NBA coach. So he was going out to Portland, Oregon, spending time with his dad, watching the playoffs. But he also grew. Dunleavy was like 6'5", maybe, when we were freshmen. When he came back, he was like 6'9". Okay, so that that helped (laughs) a lot. Uh, Casey Sanders was a freak of nature. He's like a seven-footer that could run like a point guard. He was a freak of nature. And then we went and got Chris Duhon. And that's what people, people underestimated how great he was for our team. Because what happened with, when we got Chris to, to commit to come to, and he could have anywhere, just like all of us. He could have went into school he wanted to. He was one of the best players in the country. And he might have even been the McDonald's player of the year. I don't even know, his senior year of high school. He was phenomenal coming out of New Orleans or Louisiana. Anyway, he commits to us. And it, was, it gave us the ability to move Jay Will to the two. Instead of having the responsibility of taking care of everybody on the court, it gave him the ability just to focus on being being in attack mode. Because he was our best scorer. We didn't even know it yet. Because his role as a freshman was was to be the point guard. His role changed dramatically as a sophomore to be just an attacker, Stephon Marbury, AI type of guy off the ball. Because what Duhon could do, he could pressure full court, he could distribute, he could score, but he didn't mind – passing it to Jay, passing it to Shane, passing it to Mike, passing it to Nate, passing it to me. He didn't care if he scored or not. He could have 20 assists and no points, and we win by 20, and he's the first guy giving everybody high fives on the bus.
0: Carlos just introduced you to much of the team, but I heard again and again about the important role played by the less heralded players, including walk-ons. Here's sophomore wing Mike Dunleavy Jr.,
5: the practices were, you know, were competitive, intense. Again, because the talent level was high. Um, you know, we had these guys coming back. We had Dante Jones, who was a transfer, who wasn't even playing, but he was, you know, practicing with us. So the talent level was high. Um, the conditioning was really good. We kind of gotten our 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 tails beat the year before in preseason conditioning as freshmen because all these guys had left. I think the the coaching staff was concerned, like the team wasn't going to be any good so they beat us up the year before in conditioning and so the year the next year going into that championship year i think we kind of knew the bar it, it was going to take to being in good shape and we kind of came in in good shape already and we built on that in the preseason kind of in in september with the workouts and stuff and then once the season uh, the, the real practices started you know we hit the ground running
0: sophomore center casey sanders also said it was obvious during the preseason that this team was ready to take things to another level.
6: But when we showed up, everybody was in good shape. Um, I mean, those first two weeks are always awful, (laughs) just because it's like a shock to the system that, all right, it's time to get into real, real shape. Um, But when we did the testing for that preseason, I just remember how competitive it was. And it did have a different feel from our freshman year. Freshman year, we were trying to survive it. Sophomore year, we were trying to like you know, we could do it. We knew what to expect a little bit, you know, kind of like that sophomore, typical attitude. I got this. And then you get blasted and you kind of go, well, maybe not so much, <laughs> but yeah, it was a uh, pretty special. I remember how well everybody did in all of the uh, metrics. And uh, I know coaches big into that stuff. That's why we used to do it all the time. Um, at least when I was there, we did it every year. Uh, it was all about how far you could stretch and you know, how fast you were, you know, how limber and how strong, how much muscle mass. What sure you know, as a fighting unit, what what did that look like as a, as a, you know, competitive unit? You know, once you meet those certain metrics, he knows that he's got the team in place to, to really do something special. Hey, hey. Senior
0: Walk-On and co-captain J.D. Simpson told me the team was ready for the intensity of these preseason workouts because of lessons they'd learned in previous years. He told me about one time a couple of years ago, when Coach K asked if he was being too tough on the team.
7: They sit us down in the football stadium after some conditioning. And, uh, and they say, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Quinn or maybe it was Coach. And Coach is like, how's the preseason going? And I'm kind of like, man, I am not going to answer this thing with a 10-foot I'm just going to sit down and be like, like, whatever. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, you know, like, guys, tell us how it's going. We want to make sure it's going well. And I'm just like, no way. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. And Shane goes, well, coach, uh, you know, I think I just want to let you know, I I think it's been hard. It's been a lot. It's been a lot of conditioning. And coach just lays into him, just like, what do you mean this has been a lot of conditioning? And this is, I can't believe it. You guys are so soft. And so, you know, you go through a couple of those moments and, you know, we were just kind of ready, you know, so whatever. You want us to run in the morning on the track? fine, We'll run in the morning. You want us to hit our You know, under six minute mile, fine, we'll hit the under six minute mile, right? Is it, it's time to, you know, do 20 minutes of cardio before we lift in the morning? Great, let's do it. You gotta get, you know, we were just like kind of locked in.
0: Part of that being locked in was the fierce competition in preseason pickup games. Sophomore star guard Jay Williams recalled that the team had enough good players so that the matchups were always super competitive. Doing a mile, but it
8: just not being a mile where you, run it, you're actually racing other teammates throughout a mile. You, you're psychologically in competition like that where people are trying to win, right? It wasn't just like, hey, we're trying to finish. People were trying to win those things. So I just remember those pickup games in car gym. And that, that's my favorite. It's one of my favorite places because it was hot. There was no AC and stuff got chippy in there between us. It was, uh, it felt like real competition. Because you can go at one another. Like, I, Dunleavy can go after Shane, or Shane can go after Dunleavy, or Chris Dewan and I can go against each other. Casey Sanders had then played with, you know, with Nick Horvath, so they can go against Boozer that way. And they were tall, long, athletic, and everybody felt more confident. And like, there were some fights that almost broke out. So it just felt like, whoa, we're just, it took a different thought level to that team that summer, which was cool in that preseason.
0: Uh, do you recall who who won most of the time? I think Shane says that he was the guy who usually would win those, those games.
8: Shane did, but Shane, you know, Shane also, like, there was a little version of, uh, which was cool to see because, you know, freshman year, Shane, for me, Shane's junior year, he was kind of, he was trying to become a little bit more authoritative, but you could tell that wasn't fully Shane yet. Whereas going into senior year, like some of the trash talking he would do, like if, there was like a little bit more of a Kobe-like feeling to Shane, right? Like a little bit of that that confidence, like, yo, I know I'm this guy now. I'm like, okay. So Shane kind of bullied people a little bit on the court that summer, which is drastically different than Shane's personality. You're like, whoa, who did you become? Okay, I kind of like this person, cool. So, yes.
0: You know, I heard stories like that about Shane Battier's leadership time and time again when talking to members of the 2001 team. And while I wasn't able to let you hear from every member of the team on this episode, trust me, you're gonna get little nuggets and key insights from all of them as we move ahead. For now, I think we've given you a good sense of the degree to which the 2001 Duke Blue Devils were ready to compete. A preview of the next episode of Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 Duke Blue Devils, is coming right ahead after this short commercial break. Welcome back to Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 Duke Blue Devils. In our next episode, we go on the court, the practice court you're gonna hear about some unsung heroes who made the stars of that team much better.
1: And we called the blue squad was the, you know, the, the guys who were, um, you know, not J. Will and, and Booz and, and me and Dunleavy. And they tried to, to take our launch every single day. And some days they did. There, I think there was a high level of closeness and connectivity between the blue team. And I remember we would like, I think like maybe like middle of the year, We even, like, wrote, like, BT Bombers, like, on our shoes or something, like, because we were, like, so, you know, jazzed up about our practices.
0: We'll be getting to know the Blue Team Bombers next time on Return to Glory, the story of the 2001 Duke Blue Devils. Return to Glory is written, produced, and hosted by me, Jason Evans. But this never would have happened without the generous help of so many people. I want to thank everyone on the 2001 team for sharing their time with me. I also need to thank the co-hosts of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, Donald Wine and Sam Klein, for their support and advice throughout this process. I also wanna shout out a crew of Duke fans who helped with transcribing these interviews. Eric Smithers, Kristen Stetler, John Carden, Kathy Meredith, Kenji Kojima, and Timothy Casper. Lastly, I need to thank Julian King of the Duke Basketball Report website. Without Julian bringing all these Duke fans together in one place on the internet, none of this would be possible. Thanks to all of you for listening and go devils.